0: give us songs for the morning, the sun as it was pouring from your mouth. You gave us a lifetime of blessing, a long time of resting in your house. You gave us all that Hello listeners, welcome to season two of Create In Me with Rebecca Craver and Brian Dixon. Thank you for tuning in. And we're glad you've joined us for this conversation about the connections between worship and everyday life. Hello, Create Me listeners. Uh, Brian Dixon and Rebecca Craver here today with our guest, Kira Tessman, who is serving Catholic charities in Northwest Indiana as an AmeriCorps member through United Way of Porter County. Kira has uh, recently served as an intern with the Moravian Church Board of World Mission. She's a graduate of Valpo University in Indiana and Kira is a competitive collegiate ballroom dancer. So uh, welcome to the program, Kira. Uh, I wanna add that I had first met Kira as a, a senior high camper through the Moravian Church Western District Camping Programs at Campsha Tech. And uh, it's just really been a pleasure to know you over the years, Kira. And this was kind of a, a very interesting thing uh, to learn, to see that you had gotten involved in while you were away at college and as we had had a little bit of conversation to have you come on the program and talk about your interest, your involvement with dance, and, and to see what connections maybe we can kind of discover together among the three of us between dance, between movement and, and worship. And uh, let's start there. Like, tell us about this commitment you made to ballroom dancing, your interest in it. How did, how did that come to be?
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. So I do have a little bit of dance experience before I started doing ballroom dancing. I did seven years of ballet growing up and mixed in um, those couple years. There were some musical theater classes, jazz classes, tap classes. But my main focus was ballet. But that stopped when I was like in sixth grade. So mostly elementary school. And I just kind of always had an interest in dance, but I never really... Thought of doing it competitively because I didn 't feel like I was that good of a dancer, and so when I got to college, um, my university had social lessons on Wednesdays from the so there were there's a competitive ballroom dance team at the university, and members of the team would give lessons to anyone at the university. people on the team could take part as well as community members. I started going to those. Because I was like ballroom dancing, that's such a fun thing. I mean, you see like dancing with the stars and uh different things on t v like everyone knows like what a tango is um and how intense it is, and it just seemed like it was something really fun to try also like as a way to make friends when you're a freshman in college, you just kind of do things and so I started going to these social lessons and I really, really enjoyed them, and I would like go back to my room afterwards and like practice what I had learned and I just got super passionate about it. And some of the team members who went to the social lessons, sometimes they would teach and sometimes they would just go. They told me, hey, why don't you join the team? And I was like, oh, I can't do that. Like the semester's already started. It's not allowed. And they were like, no, that's silly. You can join the team. (laughs) I ended up joining for the spring semester and found a partner to compete with as well. And it kind of just took off from there. I, um, got a little bit more passionate about competitive ballroom dancing, which is a little different from social dancing. And we can talk about those differences. We didn't make a ribbon at our first competition, but we got, our goal was to get one call back, which we did. And so then like it was baby steps, but from there it was just kind of like, we really kept growing. And so we started out in the newcomer level and then we moved up to bronze. And then um, I ended up switching partners cause I studied abroad for a semester. And then when I came back, I had different people that I was dancing with. There's different uh, makeup of the team. And with my current partner, I am now dancing at a gold level. So that's really exciting for me to be moving up in the world.
2: You know, when I hear you talk about that, like, it's obvious that you're passionate about that. And I guess I'm just curious, like, when you think about dance, is there some part of it that you're most passionate about? Is it the whole thing or, you know, step it back for us. Like what about dance draws you in and draws your passion? Does that sense? That's a great sense?
1: question. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So for me, dancing is kind of like a release. Um, I used it in, while I was in college. I used it as like a release from stress uh, from classes and stuff. And now I'm working and my partners are still students, but um, when I work, I leave everything at work and then basically the other half of my life is dance and it's just kind of like still releasing those emotions. So for me, dance is kind of like a way to use your movement to one, feel what the music is expressing, but also express my own feelings that I'm having within myself. I don't know. I was looking at like the definition of dance in preparation for this and it's just nice. kind of like, and you know, the definition isn't too extravagant or anything it's literally just move rhythmically to music for me dancing is more of like a form of expression almost like like I mean people say like there's like body language right so for me dance is almost like a type of language but not necessarily something you could translate into words it's just kind of like the language of emotions of feelings of tension and like opposites of like pushing and pulling so that's what really interests me Just how dance movement differs from, like, any other movement you would do. If I had to define dance, like, what makes movement into dance, because it's like you play with the timings, you play with fast and slow, or, like, sharp and soft movement, if that makes sense. And so Mm -hmm. I just, I really enjoy, like, stringing that all together and making it into a whole to express something.
0: I feel like somebody had recently pointed out to me that we kind of have this this dualism between you know head knowledge and and heart knowledge and and for a long time yeah I guess I kind of thought yeah those are the two things and how do you integrate what you know intellectually with what you know effectively how do you build a bridge between your head and your heart but having pointed out to me that we we there's a third way we know things and that is actually through and in our bodies like it isn't just our heads and our hearts it is our bodies come to the table they are a part of the conversation and the more I started thinking about that in light of this conversation too is yeah that we have reflexes you know there's muscle memory that you can develop as you practice things over time uh, there's the experience of, of kinesthesia where like you know movements may connect in with different emotions or sensory stimuli so My question for you, Kira, was what kind of language would you put around the things that you come to know through dance?
1: Well, one, when you dance and when you practice dance, and especially if you're dancing competitively, you get to know your own body a lot more. You Mm -hmm. get to know your limitations, um, how far you can reach, um, how big of a step you can take those kinds of things, you, you get to know like where your muscles are. I like, I was here, um, the babies on our team, the newcomers after their first competition, they're like, I'm sore and I don't know why like this place on my body is sore. Like I didn't know I had a muscle there. So Mm -hmm. as you learn how to move your body, then you learn more about how your body moves, if that makes sense. But also it's different when you're dancing in a partnership. And I would say you definitely, if you have a consistent partner in dance, you get to know that person more Mm -hmm. because especially when there's a lead and a follow, like in ballroom dance, the leader has to make choices about where to move, how to get the follow to move. And then the follow has to make choices to do what the lead is asking them to do. And there's a level of trust there that helps you, Uh, Build a relationship, have a decent connection. By connection, I mean two things. There's like the mental connection of understanding this lead, this movement means spin, and this movement means take a step back. And then there's also the physical connection of you have to like have a tension between the two of you. I don't mean tension in a negative way, but I mean like if you're holding someone's hand and you have what we call a noodle arm giving absolutely no pressure back the lead has no way of making the follow do anything because Mm -hmm. there's nothing to push against it's like trying to swim by like flapping your arms around in the air like the air doesn't give you enough pressure back but if you're in water you can propel yourself forward because Mm -hmm. the water gives you pressure back so if the follow gives pressure to the lead then um not too much so that The lead can't do anything, but if the follow gives just enough pressure to the lead, then they can respond to the lead's movements rather than just being limp. So there's the connection on the mental side of choosing to trust your lead and not just like do your own thing. And then the connection on the physical side of like maintaining that physical connection so that you can have almost the communication between the lead and the follow. So you learn a lot about how your lead moves, how your follow moves. How people respond in different situations. Uh, my partner and I recently decided that we needed to maybe have a talk about like what happens when we're on the competitive floor and someone bumps into us because we respond in different ways. My response is based off of like how I've been taught is like just keep going. You cannot stop. And her response is more like you have to stop, gather yourself, and then restart. So uh-huh. we had like a disconnect there of well, my lead wants me to keep go to stop and then like make sure we're together. And I was just kind of like, no, we have to keep going, pretend like nothing ever happened. So those are two things that I think you learn specifically in like competitive ballroom dance.
2: Well, as you know, like we talk a lot about experiences of worship in in our podcast. That's where, where Brian and I find a lot of passion in our work. Mm -hmm. And so as part of our preparation for this. We were thinking about the power of taking what we, what you know about dance uh, and then thinking about it in the context of how, how dance can, can connect people in a new or different way um, in the context of worship. So this doesn't have to be just like in the worship moment in a sanctuary on a Sunday morning or Mm -hmm. a Wednesday night, but how do you see, the things that you know through being a dancer, are there places where that could transfer over into worship that might be helpful to people's experience of, of God? Or are there just things that as a dancer, have you ever thought like, oh, that would be really interesting to try or to do in a more kind of worship setting. It's kind of broad. So take it where you want to go.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I would break dance down a little bit, I guess. And I guess challenge you to see how simple dance can be because I think at least when I think of like ballroom dancing I think of a lot of like extravagant costumes and people moving like quickly and like slowly around the floor whatever there's just a lot of like there's a lot going on a lot of movement a lot of like activity and everything but dance can be as simple as swaying your head back and forth it can be as simple as like bopping along to a nice beat like it doesn't have to be your entire body involved and I think um, definitely in worship you see dance in a worship setting even if it doesn't look like what we might conventionally call dance recognizing that it's dance I never really consciously thought of dance In a worship setting outside of like liturgical dance before brian posed the question to me of being on the show like my first reaction was like why would you want me on the show about worship like that doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. and then like the more i thought about it the more i was like well dance has influenced at least the way i worship because it's one being a competitive ballroom dancer i've had to become okay with like performing uh in front of an audience just being okay with like making movement while people are around because i think that's something some people are self-conscious to do where maybe they don't want to like raise their hands and praise because they're worried about what people around them might think or they're worried that it might be like too much or something Mm -hmm. but for me practicing ballroom dance with bigger movements and everything has made me feel more comfortable just responding to how i'm feeling in a moment And so when I'm competitive dancing, I kind of take that and I like put that into a performance of like, well, I want to be really big in this moment so the judges can see me and so that the audience has fun. But then in a more uh, quiet private moment, it's more of just like, how am I feeling and how can I express that in my body? It's kind of become more subconscious and less self-conscious, if that makes sense. Uh, For me in a worship setting where like I'm just... I'm more comfortable with like if i want to raise my hands up to the sky then i feel comfortable doing that but also if everyone else is raising their hands up to the sky and i feel more comfortable staying like with my hands more at like a waist level and just kind of like rocking back and forth then that's what i do because that's what i'm feeling Hmm. i feel more comfortable in my own skin and making my own movements and making that represent how i'm feeling in the moment and I kind of started to realize, like, this is more, like, on the worship side, I guess. Like, I just kind of had a moment of realization that, like, my audience is not the people around me, but my audience is God. Yeah. It's not like I'm trying to perform for God because God would know that it's a performance, if that makes sense. So, like, yeah. in that sense, I'm using performance as kind of like a like a show, a mask to fate to cover something. I feel like my worship has become more truthful because... I've just let myself express, like, my feelings through my movement rather than expressing, like, what I think is what I'm supposed to be doing in this worship moment.
0: What a wonderful, I mean, to say my worship has become more truthful, that's powerful, that's beautiful, that, that I would think is what anybody who is planning and trying to create space for worship w- wants, that, that people could enter into that space in a, in a vulnerable, truthful Wow, that's just like kind of pop rocks in my head. How do, how do we do that? How do we learn vocabulary? Like I'm thinking of dance almost as a a physical vocabulary. And I think as you learn dance, maybe it's like acquiring the power of speech, you know, and, and there's an alphabet and there are words. There's a working vocabulary of movement as as I've heard you describe, like, well, hands at waist level or swaying or bopping or, you know, that these things – this is a vocabulary. Like you said, it's more simple. So when I invite a congregation as they're standing at the end of a song early in the service to remain standing and actually to move out of the pews into the aisles towards one another, to embrace, to shake hands, that's, that's dance too. That is this kind of movement that is expressive of a feeling of community of welcome. Um, It's a giving and a receiving I don't know that that's an interesting shift in in thinking of. I don't know anybody would that anybody doing that would think that what they were doing was dancing, but for me to now see that as as a moment of dance, that's kind of cool too. That's a neat gift, Kieran.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> I'd like to go back to you said um, you and Brian have both talked about like being in your in our bodies. In many ways, the church has in different times, helps people to kind of inhabit their bodies well, um, in terms of kind of the fullness of the experience of relationship with God. And then there are other times where we've been much more dualistic, you know, the body is bad and the spirit is good. And so I think that there's something really valuable to learn from this, this ability to see like how being able to settle into your body allows for this more truthful worship posture, maybe. And so it's just really interesting to think about that. Like if you needed to help someone learn that what you've learned through dance, like mm-hmm. how to inhabit their body, do you what do you think you would do to teach them that or do do you even have words words for how you might begin to think about that?
1: I don't know if I have words. This is why I found like the article that Brian you shared with us so yeah. interesting because it tries to put dance into words, and for me, dance is such it's a feeling you have like you can feel that you are dancing and then you can see the dance happening and I mean, when I think of like um Rebecca, what you were talking about, like sometimes we talk about the duality, and it just kind of brought to my mind like modern dance, which kind of takes or I don't know if it's modern or lyrical because I haven't done those styles, but uh, more contemporary kinds of dance that take uh, traditional forms like ballet and kind of bend the rules almost. Like where ballet, you have a lot of pointed feet, a lot of straight lines or curved lines. And then more contemporary dances, you have like flexed feet and broken lines and different things to express different emotions. As you're watching it, it almost looks like the body is making like wrong shapes. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the intention of it, uh, of the performance. But it kind of goes back into that, like, well, yes, we have sin in our bodies and the sin is not good. And you can say the flesh is weak, but also when you do a lot of movement and say it's a workout or say it's a dance routine or something and you're sore afterwards, I've learned that like soreness is your body getting stronger, basically, like you're, you're tearing those bonds between the cells and making stronger, healthier muscles. And so there's different kinds of like ways to do that. When you're actually doing dance, you can learn more about it. When you're watching dance, you can learn more about it. But I don't know how to put it into words of this is what the body is and just read that on a page.
0: And I don't know if this is analogous, but I mean there are just songs that when they come on like if I'm at a wedding reception or you know some kind of event and there's a DJ like I've actually made a playlist called Dance Delicious and I just I I said if if I'm ever in a public space and I hear any of these songs come on I can't not dance like I just physically I don't think about it and I'm not like oh I can't wait but music as a response or I don't know like a jubilation you know or just just an over flow of inexpressible. I don't know. I, I like the way you kind of call us to that. Like, yeah, you could give a, a pretty technical explanation of what was it the working definition, the rhythmic moving of you know, your body. That's not it. Like it's something more. And when we're talking about worship, when we're talking about faith, when we're talking about God, that is something more. That is something mysterious and, and difficult to fully express. And so having dance as a, as a resource to try to help us connect with something that is so difficult to express, that is beyond our words. It seems like it's a sad thing to do to kind of limit ourselves and our vocabulary to just, you know, intellectual, verbal. And and I do feel like sometimes our worship has gotten or, and I don't know when it is exactly that this occurred. Is this kind of an enlightenment thing? Is this a, terms of a puritanical kind of vibe or or what but when when you look through the scriptures worship is so often i think almost always just this physically demonstrative it isn't a sit down so much be quiet listen and have it like delivered at you it is a dancing clapping shouting stomping movement of Everything that you are, you know, love the Lord your God with all your strength, all your might, all your mind. Like there isn't anything that a person can't bring to bear to to praise God and to express some kind of delight, some kind of receptivity to the gifts of God's love and spirit. Mm
1: I wish we had, like, video accounts of the Bible, because, like, I really want to know what their dancing looked like. Like, I mean, it goes back to, like, how can you understand dance through just words on a page? But, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, we have no way to know if, like, King David was doing a swing or cha-cha or if he was, like, (laughs) dabbing at the temple. Like, who knows what kind of dance movements he was doing. And I just, I would love to go back in time just to watch them, like dance at a at a worship ceremony or just whenever like a revelation happens the spirit talks to them uh just to break out into mm-hmm. dance i mean we talk about people breaking out into song but yeah. um i like people break out into the dance into dance all the time as well but for mm-hmm. me it's the the more i've done dance purposefully the when i use it as an expression of how i'm feeling it almost feels sometimes kind of analogous to a calling Sometimes in in a church setting, I've heard, like, if you feel called to, raise your hands and praise, that kind of thing. And it's almost like, you know, there's a calling to do this movement in this time and place. And if you do it, it just feels right. It's not necessarily as complex or long lasting as like maybe a life calling to a certain vocation, but it's a momentary calling that it feels very satisfactory to
2: just complete and follow
0: yeah
2: i had the experience in indiana when i served there i worked with a a number of other worship designers and one of the worship services that we designed together was a worship service around um september 11th 2001 and so we created this worship experience and it sort of there were the church had two levels and so people came in and there were a couple of um sensory things that you could do downstairs. And then upstairs we had made a city out of cardboard boxes. And then um, my friend Raja and I did a dance kind of around the city. And it, you know, and, and for us, as we talked about that moment in history in the USA and, and the weight of what that meant, not just on that day, um, which is very heavy, but just what it has, what it has meant since then you know, so like the weight of the tragic loss of that, as I live more into my life, like the weight of um, kind of the systematic racism that that event for me is sort of a a pinpoint in history where I can point back to like things began to change in a way in my life where I was seeing things in a different, through a different lens because of, of how people responded to that event and of how the world responded to that for me, like it really made sense to dance it because there aren't words for that kind of traumatic event or that, you know, that to me, it was like we needed something bigger than words. And so dance was what we came to. Um, And there might've been other, there might be other options as well, but I think that that's what I love about dance in general is that there there is a way to really bring emotion that I think is almost easier for people to take in because sometimes words, they carry such different meanings for us and use a word that for me is very helpful, but for other people would feel very confrontational. And so then it becomes not about the intent behind the word, but it becomes about what the word was. Um, But dance, I wonder if it has some ability to kind of cross some of those lines because it's not, Like, maybe that we don't have preconceived notions about dance. Like, if we're really just watching and being a part of it or participating, we just feel it. Does that make any sense at all?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I've heard dance been called, like, a universal language where you don't have to understand English in order to appreciate somebody who speaks English and is a dancer. There's so many, like, amazing Russian dancers, Eastern European there's a lot in competitive ballroom dancing and they can do amazing things with their bodies. And I'm like, I envy you. And I don't even know if some of them speak English or not, but it doesn't matter. Like you can see what they're doing with their body. And it's just kind of like body language is a universal thing. Um, And then even if you encounter a style of dance that you've never seen before, it's like, encountering a new language and I think it's similar to maybe like trying to speak a new language you might not be able to make those movements right away but it's so different from language because you can understand it right away you might not be able to perform it yourself but you can see a new style of dance and appreciate what it the meaning it has uh, what it's doing as far as like how it interacts with the music and how it makes you feel how it how you receive it as an audience member. Speaking of movements and meanings and, like, the language of it, movements can be very emotionally charged and transmit, like, emotions as well, but uh, I also find it interesting when you use movement specifically to tell a story. It kind of reminds me of how, like, Jesus told parables in order to get the lessons out of the laws that had been passed down, and dance can kind of give that different meaning, like how you were talking, Rebecca, where... It's not necessarily the same way that words might do it but it's almost like a it's boiled down and simplified but it also somehow means more than just words could give it.
0: Yeah, I totally w- I agree with you. I wish we had like uh video these encounters that Jesus had with people and like what what were his gestures that and I think some visual artists like painters, you know, you think of El Greco or somebody who you know, here's a certain hand gesture that conveys of blessing or protectiveness and care. And, and dance can kind of do all that. I, I do think in, in some visual other visual arts, maybe painting in particular, there's an attention that's given to posture and the positioning of figures in space to convey either a sense of openness or closeness, um, a sense of movement that is aggressive versus more. I don't know, conciliatory, or we think of that in liturgical space, you know, there's a big, you'll have discussion uh, about what do you do with your hands when you give a benediction, you know, and I've heard different people say, oh, you do the two hands, you do one hand, you don't put your hands up at all. Mm
1: -hmm. And how
0: much of that is preference, or just what feels right to do? You know, what's authentic? What would be for you in that moment, something that came out of a sense of authenticity and and genuine feeling rather than something kind of performative. You know, I, I think that's a dynamic in worship too. Like how much of what we do in worship is performative in a sense of, you know, worship leading and audience, or is it that everybody in worship is the, there's only one audience in worship and that is God. And is even that a good analogy? Maybe God isn't an, a spectator either god is actually a participant with us through the spirit in worship it's a much closer relationship there's kind of a i don't know if it's a barrier but there's a distance right between spectators and the dancer so when you're competing there's judges you it may be that there is an audience there there are you know people in the in the bleachers i wonder if in worship can we break remove some of those barriers down so there isn't the us and them that That it is actually God in much closer fellowship and in more intimate communion, even with the worshipers
1: I would actually say that sometimes in competitive dance specifically, the goal is almost to break that barrier, huh. especially at more competitive or more professional levels of competitive dance, so these are pre champ championship collegiate dancers, or um, even if you go to the higher levels of, of actual professional dancers. Mm. It's almost an expectation that you should engage with the audience, and sometimes judges will even mark you based on whether or not you're engaging to look at. That's actually been my most consistent feedback where I'm at right now in my partnership, where we know all of our steps, our steps are clean, they look good, there's nothing really wrong that we're doing, but we don't have that pizzazz that sparkle that makes people want to watch you
2: Mm. and
1: at the higher levels, especially like you'll see dancers lunging almost touching audience members and sometimes it's like parents or friends or uh, like friends from the same school that they're dancing for and like everyone in the audience is like cheering wildly and it's just like oh my goodness like you're such an amazing dancer and whatever but they have this connection where they'll stare you straight in the eye and it's very intimidating if you're in the audience but it's also like you feel like wow like you see me right now so definitely I think there's there's definitely a space to break those barriers down um But it's also kind of like how there's the fourth wall in plays. Like there is a standard, but then there are moments where
2: it feels right to break it.
0: Yeah.
2: I love what you just said about like, wow, they see me. Isn't that the ultimate that we are trying to create space to be seen, you know, Mm -hmm. by God, by one another, Mm. but with sort of the, the eyes of God. I wonder as we are sort of talking about, you know, the difference between performance and and worship and, because I think that, I think that there's a place for performance. I think that, you know, really good preachers, some of, some of their skill comes from being able to perform because while it may not be that gestures always add a lot, but gestures can really detract from a sermon. You know, like I know in preaching class, you have to record yourself <laughs> preaching and then your class watches it with you and they tell you all the things you did wrong. One of the tricks though, is like to fast, which you can't do now, I guess. Anyway, you used to be able to, you could fast forward and, and so you just watch yourself. You wouldn't hear anything, but you would just see your movements. And so you might see that, like you bring your hands up and down a lot, but your hands pretty much stay (laughs) in the same spot or, and, and it's, and it was those kinds of things that you think about, like, how does your body help to tell the story? You know, and then there are things like um, curriculums like Godly Play, for instance, that's all about telling the story. And it's about it's about the interaction, um, you know, with children, you know, like and you're in the in the wilderness and there you are touching the sand in the box and moving characters around. And in some ways we lose that when we pull that disconnect from our bodies and we don't encourage people to to really inhabit their body in worship and i wonder sometimes is it to the detriment of truth is it to the detriment of of connection with god that we that we say no everybody has to sit still and quiet that's how you worship and and i wonder sometimes are there people and i guess i believe that there are that there are people who just lose out on the experience of worship because instead of like being in the moment and letting the moment dictate what they do they're like, well, I have to sit still. I have to sit still. I can't move. I'm making too much noise. People are going to be, you know, and I think that that there's something about how we could learn from dance in, in the way that you've talked about, it, you know, that, that it allows for you to just trust your body,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and to trust yourself in the moments that you're in. Definitely.
1: I think there's definitely a balance between, I mean, you don't want to use too much movement, but also you don't want there to be a constriction of movement when you have the freedom to move, if you feel called to, is a good thing, but it can also be abused. I mean, obviously you have like little kids that are like, if you give them the freedom to move, they will move and be probably disruptive to the service, but you can channel that in a way. I know um, when I, so my, my mom grew up at Watertown Arabian Church, and when we would go there on the weekends, when I was little, I would take part in like the the collection, you know, you have the coins and everything, like the kids get like little cans and then they get to jingle the coins around in the cans and everyone's happy because the kids are being productive, but they're also getting like some jiggles out, you know, they're moving around uh, and they're getting their energy out, but they're also having fun because, I don't know, it's just fun to have coins jingling in a can. There's a way you can use movement uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be thought of as dance, I think going back a little bit to um, as you pointed out my point of the whole like seeing people Mm -hmm. and I think one thing that the performer has to do is make the choice to make that eye contact so that the audience member feels seen and so as an audience member you feel seen but then as a performer you make the choice to see other people and I think that kind of goes along with God's calling for us to love others in order to love someone. You have to see them.
0: Mm.
1: You can say that you love someone, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything until you follow it up with action. And like, I mean, understand the person want to like get to know them or want to like help their situation or just become friends with them. And whatever, however it is that you're loving on that person, you have to see them in order to do that. So I think there's definitely a balance between, movement, not movement, performer, audience member, and all those different things. There's a place for all of that at the table. There's one point I'd like to make about specifically ballroom dance, something that I've learned as like trying to see it as a whole rather than just the perspective of one dancer. If you think of like dancing in a room full of tables Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and then comparing that to dancing in a room full of Other people who are dancing, it's very different. Like one, if you just have the tables, like you move around, you you can have a routine. It never changes, and it's just always kind of the same. And it might still look beautiful, and you might still have a wonderful routine and a wonderful experience and everything. But it's so different from dancing in a room full of other dancing people. And for me, it's kind of like a metaphor for life, if you will. Like you are inevitably going to bump into some people you're gonna have to slow down or speed up to try and get out of other people's way you might have to change directions and for me that's like one way that like ballroom dance is life because it's just it works so well as a metaphor from in my mind at least the more I learn about dance the more that's the part I have trouble with is like the making adjustments the reactions and trying to accomplish a certain goal especially when you have routines where you have set moves that you want to do sometimes you have to like sacrifice like okay we're not going to do this move right now because if we do that you're going to run into a person's elbow or something like there's just choices you have to make like that and for me like that's just so analogous of like how my life is at least where like I'll have a set plan in mind and then something happens and it's like well I can't do that anymore so I guess I'll do this and so that's the one thing that I've, I've kept thinking about that I don't feel like we've caught quite yet Um, so I guess I was wondering, what do you think about that, Brian?
0: What do I think about that dance as, as like metaphor? Yeah. I I love the, the illustration, the picture you paint of the difference between dancing in a room full of tables and, and then dancing in a room full of other dancing people. And I, and I think there there is maybe that in us, which kind of longs and maybe this is uh, very individualistic, right? Like some people may absolutely love the idea of dancing in a room full of tables because there's something static, predictable. Uh, I feel like this is a dynamic that uh, Rebecca and I have kind of stumbled on- onto. That that there is that about worship that people look to be very comforting, very much what what was expected because life is not like that you know and so worship can be this space where there is a choreography you know there is a liturgy there is an order of worship not a chaos of worship but my personal inclination my my preference my bias i don't know is towards worship that is somehow more reflective of actual lived experience and 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 worship that somehow is is related to the reality of God, who for me is, is a personal being, you know, is, is not dogma is not, you know, bullet points is not, uh, it, it's a real relationship, you know, it's, and relationships have this element of improvisation. You know, There certainly are structures, there's choreography, there are plans, there are purposes and intentions, but I think life being what it is, there are contingencies. There, there are. There is the unexpected, the un, the unplanned for, and and so I think a lot of faith, being faith for me, has to do with those moments, those spaces where you're like, okay, what? Not not what's the plan, but what are we going to do now? Like, how do we work with this? With this, what that which was unexpected. Uh, with this, which is disappointing and confusing, with this that is is a real challenge, and what kind of capacity relationally do you bring into, and like you said earlier, dance helps you to come to a sense of your own strengths, I know how far I can stretch, you know I know how fast I can turn, and i know I know my limits and so i don't know i'm i'm very much interested in a faith that helps us build those capacities to be able to stretch to be able to reach to be able to to leap and, and also maybe helping us to kind of confront some of our limits and and so i the word that keeps coming to mind is as i've heard you talk is just a dynamism you know mm. a, a dynamism that that tension you described push and pull i think to live into some of that with god as you know uh, the the story of of Jacob wrestling with God or with some kind of angelic being you know as a dance my thoughts are dancing and swirling mm-hmm. and and bumping into each other and and to me that's that's something that's just lovely and and very true to life like i don't know when i've really found life to kind of be this perfect choreography that i can just try to execute and like okay nailed it because mm-hmm. like you said i'll i'll bump into somebody <laughs> i'll trip over something you know i'll I'll miss a beat or i'll be a little bit behind or i'll rush the beat and it's but I but i want to keep dancing you know what i mean i don't want to stop dancing
1: yeah, that I think feels you, like life i think you put that beautifully and the nice thing about dance is you can always practice more and you can always stretch yeah. more and you maybe like today i can reach this far but next week or in a month or, um, next year, even I can reach even farther and I maybe I can do the splits someday. You know, there's (laughs) always room for practice and improvement. And I think there's always that space in worship too. You can always become, I wouldn't say like a better worshiper because I don't think there's like a scale of like, Oh, you're a good worshiper. You're a bad worshiper. I think everyone's their own type of worshiper, Mm -hmm. but there's always a space for you to practice and try new things and figure out just what works for you.
0: Well, Kira, this, this conversation has absolutely been delightful. And uh, Rebecca and I really do hope, and and we appreciate just being able to give our Create Me listeners just some different lenses, some different ways uh, of thinking about your own engagement with worship, you know, and whether that's through the lens of dance or just, you know, any of the other you know, topics and, and, and subjects we've covered. The big thing is w- that we hope is just to, to, to help people kind of broaden the conversation about worship, maybe to see, to see more things in their own lives worshipfully, you know, and then also, I guess, conversely, to be able to bring those, those interests, those passions like dance into trying to understand, as you said, Kira, what kind of worshiper you are. And And if you have gifts and these affinities, you really take joy in dance and music and in, in visual arts, or too you know I mean the intellectual the, the 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 experience of rhetoric and um just being able to kind of sit and meditate on something yeah I don't think there's any feeling that any of us have like one is good, one is bad, one is better. Um, I just think the more avenues the more pathways that we we see and feel are open to us to express and to experience something of the love of God. I just think the better, the richer, uh, the more blessing uh, really is there for, for more people. And and hopefully eventually one day for all really, and truly for, for all. So thanks for, thanks for being a part of this, this, hopefully this, this expanding conversation, Kira, and bringing your passion really appreciate getting to talk to you about this.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me.
2: Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Create Me Worship and on Facebook at Create Me. If you have questions, thoughts, or ideas you'd like to share with us, email us at moraviancreateinme at gmail.com. A special thanks to David Melby Gibbons, Rachel Marie, and John Robinson for our theme music. Check them out at Dust of the Saints on Facebook and rachelmarie.com. As always, keep on creating.